Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Stop the, dying, Chuck. Yeah, and get stop the right dying. Who, who get can the I say? Right should I say it to Mike? Treatment. You say yeah. it to me. Why I say it to Mike. I, let's start over. Stop dying, Chuck. Stop dying, Mike. Get the right treatment, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're supposed to say stop dying. I'm probably right, the most good. likely to die yeah. of the trio. Now, if uh, Bob not. dies, if Bob dies, I'm not going to feel bad. That's Our dying days are over, man. Stop dying. We're just going to die old age. No, now. but right prior to this, I didn't listen to something Mike said because my <laughs> son had texted me something. I was reading it, and Mike got very mad at me. Mike I is, didn't get Mike mad. is pouting. What was it that you were trying to say just now? I. What do you mean? I was just saying that. Uh, did you see a check? He got like a little girl. He got really mad at oh, me. Like oh. A little girl. oh my fucking god. Oh my god, now I'm gonna get crucified for saying that. <laughs> Take that out. Are you saying are you saying little girls are like no, I'm, my, my, I, I took Sydney to Disneyland today. She does pout. Little hmm. girls pout. She, she's three years old. Um, I'm being compared to Sydney now. I well hey, we went in cute. that princess we waited in line to go in that princess area. All she wanted to see was Ariel. Guess who wasn't up in that motherfucker? Ariel. Ariel wasn't was, in the clam? Yeah. You know the thing? They had, you go from yeah, room sure, to room? Sure, sure, sure. So there was Snow White, Cinderella, um, some other one I didn't know. Aria? Aria. Uh, Aria. Um, Who's that? That's the... Um, well, it wasn't anybody that Sid wanted to see. She wanted Ariel from the... you know. I the, get it. I get it. She's yeah. a singer. And That's she was... A- Pouting like a motherfucker. Then I didn't listen to something Mike said, and it reminded me of that this oh, afternoon. <laughs> if it if it helps Mike Mart, he really loves Sydney. I do what, love Sydney. What, I love what, kids. What, <laughs> so what was it that you said that I didn't listen Nothing, to? I'm I, sorry. Can't, I can't even remember now. Oh my god! So just fucking but never he mind. was mad at me <laughs> right, when we, no, 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 no. right when we started. I could tell Mike's mad. Okay, let's no, just start one. I'm not That's what he said, Chuck. No, but you know, gosh dang it, I'm getting pulled in. That is what he said. <laughs> Mike Mart did say, let's just start it. <laughs> well, that's putting me in a good mood. Okay, I don't know good. Why. Well, it's a good mood. So that should be good that Mike Mart is now joining the live version of Thelonious Monster. Uh, there's been all this there's been all this uncomfortableness about this record. This now Mike Mart's gonna play on the record. Mike Mart has the Thelonious Monster record. In his pocket, nowadays, in the old days, Chuck, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you were there for the tape versions, but you used to have these big 24-track rolls of tape, and they only had 20 minutes on them, so there was only like three <laughs> songs on them. <laughs> And then there was, was like, like ten of them. Like and it was like hundreds. Know, it huh? was like hundreds of pounds of shit you had to haul around. Now, out of the miracles of technology, it's like a tiny little like a cassette like as box. old as fucking Chuck is. He has never seen a two inch tape. You've probably. never seen a two inch tape. Yeah, I have. have There's studios that still have that the still have. But them. do you but know what it's the... like to make a record on them? No, and I know. Record like no. fifteen or twenty songs no. on them. There's just there's just boxes stacked up in the hallway. Wait, so that's a hard drive in his pocket. Yeah, I thought got, he was glad oh, to see. So, me. Hey, it's got so, eleven songs. So Bob, do you remember? Do you remember when they used to cut the tape and they would? Yeah, I did it all the time. Up, yeah, yeah. Up, Brett Gerwitz used to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. It was good editing. Splicing was an splicing art. Yeah, you spliced art. the tape. I don't know why, but right at the that. beginning of the song, there has to be complete silence. So they would splice. They would splice. Yeah, in and they tape it. There's tape on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So we made three albums like that. And then and then Pro Tools kind of came in. You mixed on Pro Tools. You recorded on tw- two inch and then you mi- dumped it to Pro Tools. That's how we made Beautiful Mess. Then it was just Pro Tools. Now it's like literally Nate's computer at his house. And it goes onto a hard drive. And it's the same quality as a, as a two inch tape album. The reason why records don't sound as good is because nobody knows how to mic drums. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Do you use Glenn John's method for mic and drums? For mic? What is that? One overhead? Um, n- no. How do you mic drums? I didn't mic any of these drums on this stuff, so I don't know what that question means. No, but... Well, but there's, there's a Glenn John's method where how, there's... There's four mics, kick drum, hi-hat, snare, overhead, and floor toms. Because I know we were we were... We were recording a song, and I wanted to have uh, 
a tom roll go from left to right and dude goes i did the glenn johns miking on this so it's going to be hard to get a, a complete pan because he got the john bonham's drums were miked with a minimal amount of microphones compared to what pete weiss's drums are miked on that disc that you have in your pocket okay right well, you could be right but you know <laughs> that's my favorite way to say you're wrong you could be right it could be right, it could be wrong, it could be right, it could be black, it could be white. Okay, so we're, so Thelonious Monster's playing live. The Bicycle Thief is playing live on December 8th at Aloe Silver Lake, and we're giving away free Narcan, and we're, tr we're training people on how to use Narcan, and there's free tacos. Wait a second. And... The, the Hitchcock brunette is, is DJing. Yes. This is a huge deal. But on the ad, it says free Narcan tacos. Yeah. It, <laughs> it doesn't say anything about it. So and the so only place Evan, you're going to hear about it is here. And you can find the event on... But wait, let me talk about it. So, so Evan... <laughs> Evan before, said, sorry, Mike Mark, this is yeah. your boss. You want to interrupt again? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Evan, I call him. I go, dude, people are making jokes on Instagram that says free Narcan tacos. And he goes, I put it that way. I thought it'd be funny. Evan is a <laughs> cool guy. If you look at the ad, it says free Narcan. But then tacos, is, there's no... Nothing's stopping you from <laughs> free Narcan tacos. That might be a way to help people stay alive. That might keep people from dying. We could feed some folks and save a life. And get some Narcan in them in yeah. case later they tend to overindulge. If in the and next 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. If they go to the Narcan event and then they go use. That. Now, here's another thing. Some, some uh, documentation that Patrick from Don't Die Wisconsin uh, sent to me. There's, there's people actually um, using the fentanyl stuff to find good fentanyl. What? <laughs> oh, they're using the test kits to find <laughs> the good test fentanyl. Kits I fucking said that ten oh, episodes no. ago. There's, there's like six people who used it to find good fentanyl. Exactly. <laughs> this fentanyl ain't Dude, shit. I'm sorry, look Bob. At, look at this. Are you gonna Deadly acknowledge? Test. Are you gonna acknowledge, <laughs> Bob, that I said that That's ten a, episodes? That ago. is true. That is the beauty of drug addicts. Like you got to like I was saying last episode. You got to laugh. That is just so cool. Like some kid thought. Hey man, this is where you can find out where the good test it. Is. See if it's fucking good. It's a test kit, <laughs> free test kit to see if your dope's good. I can't believe. Oh my god, it. I can't believe nobody thought of that. So here's the thing: no one. It's just like I don't know. I just love drug addicts. <laughs> like the whole point is like fentanyl's kind of dangerous. Want to avoid it? If you Not find really. some, <laughs> like make sure it's good. Because <laughs> then. Because then apparently, like, I don't know how they did the research. Anyways, it's crazy. Dr drug addicts are hard to study. Is that fair enough to say? Oh, yeah. They lie a lot, for one thing. That's another thing that drug addicts lie a lot. So how can you trust any survey about Suboxone or Narcan or fentanyl strips or... How can you trust anything a drug addict says in research? I, I don't. Because, for, the, for the simple reason, it's like you go to their, if anybody in their family or any of their relations has a conflicting view of a certain situation, I always go with the family. I know, but all this research that's saying Suboxone is miracle cure and all this shit that's being forced down Californians' throats and rehab's throats, all, how do you know any of it's true? It's all coming from what drug addicts, it, it all boils down to a drug addict was put on Suboxone. He, that drug addict reported he didn't use this week or he only used one time. Or he only used benzos and <laughs> weed and alcohol and, he's and not cocaine. Lying. He's not lying at all. <laughs> Because he couldn't find any good fentanyl. No, but I mean, <laughs> I got carried away with all the the kind of highfalutinness of being involved in Washington and some, you know, some some policy things. You get like caught up in that world, and you forget the fact all this shit is based on what a drug addict said. True. How can you believe any of it? Based on their reports, which is what we put when we don't know. That's that's <laughs> like when you when you put reports. You, client reports attending four AA meetings this week. It doesn't mean it happened. It doesn't mean it's the truth. It means that's what they've said. So any so 
you know, that that all being said, I still think Narcan is the way to go. We got to get Narcan in the hands of the addicts. But then I started realizing these addicts aren't addicts like me and my friends. First time I ever saw Narcan, I won't say, a bass player in a certain band. I'll just name the bands he was in. He was in Thelonious Sponsor, Porno for Pyros, Jane's Addiction. So you can figure out who the, hmm. So he's the first person who ever showed me it. Wow, he that's said, a tough one, Bob. <laughs> he said, if I go out, shoot this into me. And I go, what do I have to, you know, I remember him saying that. And I was like, how, like, how, you know, I'm not good at finding veins. He goes, you don't have to find veins. Just shoot it into me. Right? Why is he a vampire? You don't he's, have to find the veins. He's, Euro he's European. <laughs> now I've given four clues away. <laughs> you don't have to find the veins. You just shoot it into me. But I'm telling you, th that was in like 1993. That was how many years ago? 26, 36 years ago? 26 oh years ago. Oh my God, no. 26 years ago. Yeah. 26 years ago. But it was in a thing where one junkie saying to another, like, listen, if I go out, shoot this into me. Right? He was using around me. As we know, the kids that discharge from your place or my place, they're not using around anybody. And they're certainly not talking to each other. And they're certainly not vulnerable enough to know the situation they're in they're not intelligent enough to know the situation they're in they're not vulnerable enough to ask for help so okay. what i plan to do at these events and december 8th at silver lake aloe is the first one but i'm going to do a lot of them is to get with the junkies and say dude you got to start talking to each other you got to start looking out for each other you've got to start understanding you have a narcan ain't going to save you if you're going to use in your car by yourself you know what no, i'm saying if you go out then you just do it how could you revive yourself? <laughs> Do it first. But I think nope, that, that... That doesn't work either. It's, we got to go and get addicts to not be ashamed of using. I was never ashamed of using. I never was. I'm a drug addict. That's what I do. I use drugs. That, uh, why are they ashamed of it? That's one of the most interesting questions to me on the BPS. Was, have you lied or hidden your <laughs> drug use? And, and when they go... What is the BPS? <laughs> For us, uh, bi biopsychosocial. Biopsychosocial, it's called. It's in it, the intake thing of a rehab center. Okay. So it, it's it's a long questionnaire to try and get a beat on the person as to their their using history, their familiar relationships with their family of origin and their new families and where they've been, what's going on, if there's any past mental, uh, any legal, like a, educational. Have you ever gone out and had your friend shove ice cubes up your butt or something? And, and you said, only if it's a good Saturday. No. Oh, my God. God dang it. <laughs> yeah, this Narcan <laughs> could save a lot of lives because, you know. But they have to be, I realize, like, just pumping a bunch of Narcan into the streets is not going to save anybody. No, they'll put it in their yeah. backpack with everything else, like what you're saying, and go around the corner and do it by themselves. Yeah. Lock so, themselves in a bathroom and still die. So I've been telling people people like you got to look out for each other like you gotta you should have it because and you should like i'll give you an example i was in i forget what city maybe richmond virginia one time you know i lived there for a while and there was um there's hardwood floors these weird houses and they're two stories and they're kind of small and cracker boxy and you can hear everything in those old houses built in like 1847 or whatever and we heard a i just heard a thump Right? I was downstairs. I was like, holy fuck, he's out. he went out. Right? And I ran upstairs, and it was this guy that I'd been using with that I knew, and I was getting him up and getting him in the shower and, and slapping his face. And I never did I, that to me. <laughs> I would never. You ever totally put an ice cube not. up somebody? No. No, but that, I've tried. Well, why do you? That, that's not <laughs> helpful to talk about shit like that. It For me, Bob? Huh? Did no, you do it? I, no. I remember we had the discussion about Chuck was actually said that he you put did the it. ice cube up the butt. And I said, you no, did you're that? just dumping no, it in the pants. I, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I have done. I have put somebody in a cold, cold bathtub, shower. right? Okay. That'll wake him up, woke her up, work, woke her up, right? But really, like giving mouth to mouth and kind of shaking them and saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. That worked five or six or seven or eight times that I did. Slapping very hard. Yeah, I in didn't want to say shower. that. I didn't so want to say why? that. 
That's what you well, do. And because we live in this world where you can't slap people <laughs> anymore. <laughs> like, well, here's oh the deal. God. You could, in this 21st century, just think about it. Person ODs. You you call 911, you're resuscitating them, you give them mouth-to-mouth, you slap them. I guarantee you once in a while that person's going to sue you for assault. I swear to God, that's the world we're living in. Or if you crack a rib trying to give them CPR. <laughs> or if you give them herpes. Right? So... Anyways, so we got some slogans, these funny things that Evan thought of. One I thought of. One, it, it happened to me. So I have Narcan in my car. I was driving near downtown coming home from something. I don't know. It was really late. It's like 1230 or something. And I was at a stoplight waiting to get on the freeway. And there was a guy there like laying, laying on the ground. You know how the, the Los Angeles is pretty rough these days. You know, this is about two years ago. Laying there and... I was looking and the light's really long and I'm looking and he's, it seems like he's not breathing. So then I pulled a little bit to the curb, head to the curb, put it in park, got my Narcan, ran over to him and I was standing over him, going to shoot it up his nose and he looked at me and I went, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And he knew what the Narcan was. So I was in my hands with my two fingers. I'm holding it mm-hmm. like how you hold it. And he goes, no, man, I'm fine. <laughs> So, yeah. so, so he didn't want you to ruin his <laughs> eye, dude. No, he was just drunk, I think. But but uh, so we have shirts at the event. If you come, I don't know. There's a hundred of them or whatever. It says, um, "Don't Narcan me. I'm only napping." <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> From my own personal experience. <laughs> then Evan came up with one. I Narcan your honor student. <laughs> Oh, that's great, dude. I love that. So there's free t-shirts, free tacos, free Narcan, Thelonious Monster, the Bicycle Deep. If you listen to this podcast and you're in Los Angeles on December 8th. Yeah, Orange County is a long drive. Uh, I don't know about that. On December 8th, you got to come to this thing because I'm putting my whole heart into this thing. And I want people to be there and I want us to get Narcan out into the hands of addicts. Now... If you're coming there and you're a sober person, yeah, I'll give you the Narcan like how I have it in my car. But have it in your car. Have it uh, be ready to use it like I was on that old dude. Right. <laughs> like, my, my... Can you imagine waking up like if you're drunk on the street? You know, like people in the old days, I when I was homeless, I slept under the Melrose Freeway underpass because the <laughs> anti-club, because there was a club called the right. anti-club. I could drink there for free. And I had nowhere to go, so I just climb up under there, and there's about a three-foot crawl space underneath the freeway, and it's cement, and I'd bring a blanket, and I would just sleep up there because I felt safe. I felt like I'm not going to get mugged or set on fire or beat up or robbed or raped. Mm-hmm. I'm up away. Nowadays, people just sleep right in the fucking street. I know. It's, they, it's, it's not. You have to step over them. No, I, I, it, it, How can they just sleep right on the sidewalk in in plain view? Because all the good places are taken. <laughs> they've, they've, they've got to, they've got to be so numb and out of it that that's just not. They're just it's a lack of awareness. I don't think they're aware. I mean, I was watching the. I still watch live PD, unfortunately. But there was a guy who was asleep with his with his legs in the street. But he got his run body, over? No, no. He but he the cop pulls up and goes, listen. He, you know, it took him a second to get him up, and he goes, you can't sleep in the street. <laughs> you know, and the guy was just like, what? <laughs> what? Like, he was pissed off that a cop was harassing him, but the guy was obviously just not aware of where he was. I mean, and I've been so loaded like that where I've just, like, laid down wherever I was and, like, woke up later. Yeah, yeah that's a, never, it's a weird but, thing. But, but, but it's not often homeless, on a street. But you weren't homeless then. Homeless, when I, I listen, I, I'm not, like, some homeless expert, but I was homeless before Thelonious Monster got really going, and then and then from ninety from ninety four to ninety six, I was pretty much homeless. So I was wandering around. Now once in a while, I'd make some money and I get a motel, right? But I was many nights slept behind what's called Smalls, this bar um, on Melrose and Gower. There was this bar named Smalls, and John Seidel, our friend, and Sean McPherson, our friends, owned it. And they, they felt sorry for me, so they'd let me drink. And then they, all the people who worked there stayed afterwards and snorted coke and drank until like four in the morning. So I could, I could go there, and I'd 
pretty much if I got there at like 10, I could stay there till four in the morning. I could drink for free and whatever. But at a certain point, if somebody didn't offer me like to go with them to do more Coke or something, um, I would just walk around back and there was, it was residential street right behind it. Mm-hmm. I would just go and sleep in the people's yard right between the cement fence that was this auto repair shop and these people's nice house on Melrose and Gower, right? So I've been there. I don't get this version of homeless. Like, I don't get this version of of drug addicts. I don't get this version of Democrats. I don't get this version of Republicans. I don't get this society anymore. I don't get it. I don't get shooting your classmates for no apparent reason like this kid in Saugus did. He had no grievances. <laughs> I, like, what? What is going on in our society? I have no, I'm just completely baffled by it all. Why people hate rich people. Rich people work hard to become wealthy. Like, I can understand hating trust fund kids. or, or <laughs> I can understand a- hating Donald Trump Jr., but hating, you know, people work their asses off, like, I don't get it. I don't get our society anymore. I don't get Kanye West. I don't get the Kardashians. I don't fucking get this society anymore. And I don't know whether I can live in it anymore. Bob, you've never, you've always been more empathetic than anybody. Like, this is what a lot of people don't know about you. You've been a very empathetic person as long as I've fucking known you, man. You've cared about people. It's a, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Like I, like we were just talking earlier, I'm not as empathetic as you. <laughs> I am not. I, you know, somebody comes and asks me for help and. And uh, like I told you, I just say, hey, you know, if you're if you're going to use, you're going to die. I'm looking at a dead person and I'm not going to feel sorry for you when you die. And I'm not going to go to your funeral. I get that. that, But what about what about you have children like I have children? Like what do you like those kids that died in Saugus? Have you seen that little 14-year-old boy? Have you seen that? And you see the little boy who died. He looked eight years old. I know. It's the saddest thing in the world, This is disgusting. But it's not disgusting. It's there is something behind all this, and the and the boy. If you read about him, he had this alcoholic father. I know who had guns and was arrested by the police, and they had to take away his guns, and then he died of alcoholism, and his his whole life was screwed up, and no telling what kind of psyche weird problems he had. But it, this, I'm with you. It's the sad. How do you know a kid like that? Driving, how do I, you know a kid like that isn't at your daughter's school tomorrow? I, I don't, Bob. I don't. How do you live with that? I don't live with it. This I don't, does I not happen. Chuck, this does not happen in Canada. It does not happen in Australia. This school shootings do not happen in anywhere else in the world. It, n- nowhere near the magnitude it happens in America. And what's interesting is it's not even in Canada where Canadian kids watch the same fucking bullshit violent television and video games. They're exposed to the same violent political rubbish, divisiveness, but yet they don't kill their classmates. Something is they have as many guns as we do per capita. Probably more. Why why is it here and what can we do to stop it? And I, I, you know, at a certain point, I, you know, safest bet, if this keeps happening now, it's, it's quadruples in 10 years, right? School shootings, four times, it's, it's four multiple, it's called in 10 years. Hmm. When Sydney is 13, I don't know that I want her to go to school. If this trend continues that every day there's a school shooting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear that. And I think parents are going to start concerning themselves. So that's why I asked really what you thought. How do you, what does it make you think when you see that little kid on the news? For some reason, the boy, uh, the victim, the boy just affected me so much. He looks so small. He's such a fragile little child. 
Do you really want to live in a country where where everything is just so divisive and ugly and gross? Or do we want to change the society? And by changing the society, all, I can't really change Republicans, but I'm hoping I can change some liberals' minds because I'm a liberal. And liberals have become so whacked off the fucking center. It's crazy. And somebody on the left has to start calling it bullshit. Like, can't, our kids are killing each other. How can we think we know better? You know what I'm saying? The addiction problem went from 3% of the population to 20% of the population. We both know that's mm -hmm. trauma. That's neglect. That's shitty parenting. That's a shitty society. That's a shitty education system. You're blaming it all that. on the. You're blaming it all on the people, and and I believe that it's manufactured. I believe that it's manufactured by big business. You know, and they pump that. Our shit. shitty schools our is not. Drug. Our shitty schools are not manufactured by big pharma. Okay, how 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 many how many of these kids do you think are on like some sort of med meds? Oh, half. I would. Okay, say. a lot. Where is yeah. that coming from? But I mean, where is that coming from? Is that coming from the doctors? That's coming from parents that bring their pharmaceutical kids to doctors. companies. Yeah, that are pushing this shit. I mean, if you can listen, if you can watch TV and and look at these stupid fucking ads that tell people, hey, try this fucking weird ass thing, man. It'll only give you. And then and then they list all the shit really fast, so you can hardly hear it about it's going to cause anal bleeding. It's going to cause <laughs> stomach bleeding. It could cause suicide. It could. You know. I mean, this is stupid. Why don't? Why do they fucking? Why are they allowed to advertise on TV? Well, there's one because thing. you know okay. what happens. You know what happens? They go to the fucking doctor and they say, "We want to try this. We saw the ad on TV. We okay, want to so, try this on our daughter." So let's let's think about some things that could could change our society back bullshit. to the better. Uh, the only thing I can come up with is rather than bite my tongue around these fascist liberals, I'm going to start speaking my mind. The only important thing is to win back the Senate and the White House. Whatever somebody's policies need to be to achieve that, I support. But but if, you know, if it's going to tread on, you know, whatever rights of whatever small fringe group, you'll be destroyed by them, that small fringe group. There was there was a thing that my dad taught me about America that we always lean towards the greater good. Right? The majority. The, the greater good. The more the good for the good. more, That's the most amount like of people. That. We don't lean towards the greater good anymore. Here's you know what your leading cause of death is? Suicide. Yeah, not today. Um, but no, don't make a joke out of it. The leading cause of death of white males between the ages of 36 and 54 is suicide in America. Think I'm, about that. I'm, Just not, listen, I'm not surprised. Listen, why are we not surprised by that? Be, because that should be the most surprising thing in the world. Because I, I watched the, the false the false hopes, the false dreams, the people thinking that this, once they achieve this, they'll be happy and not learning to live in today and feeling like they've failed as people. When when I hear the things like what what you were just talking about, when I hear see the see the tragedies, when I personalize it and I get and I go, that's just fucked. The only thing I can do to make things make sense is to circle up with Bug and just do, do something with him. So I'm not even in solution. I and mean, that's what I'm saying is that as a, a full-fledged adult male who considers himself to be able to take care of things, sometimes it's just looking at my eight-year-old and going, let's go for a walk or let's go for a bike ride or let's go do this and just circle, just so things start making sense again because when things spiral like that it's just man it, it just seems like what you were talking about it seems like things are circling the drain at such a rapid pace that i didn't think it could get any faster in 2016 in november when the elect when the election happened and i the things started going crazy i'm going this is going to calm down in three months oh, and too. and it just and it's just then at six months it was even worse and i'm going this will be done this year and my friends that i know are smart on the left and my friends that i know are smart on the right are going to see past this shit they're going to see that they're being played and they're going to come back together and instead a year two years into it it was even worse and people are fuck you we're never friends we're never talking to each other again i'm not going to go to your kid's graduation because you believe this and i'm not going to come to your wedding because you believe that and it's not even belief it's affiliation and it's not even it's just it's, it's so crazy. it's so sad to see how but here's the interesting thing an opinion about politics like 
Nah, you know, I don't, I don't, I really don't understand why people get so bent out of shape about it. So you have an opinion, whatever, you're pro-business, you're pro-fossil fuels, you're pro-guns, you're pro-abortion. I, I, I've never really, those are just like adult conversations after dinner. Exactly. But, but are children killing each other? That's not. Two mm-hmm. little kids yeah. got murdered at their school four days ago and then three today there were three separate shootings today across america and it's not like this in other countries something is going wrong and we're all missing the point we're so busy arguing about tax cuts or health care or whatever we're missing that our society is falling apart when our children dostoevsky said an interesting thing you can determine a society's uh, uh, kind of morality by how it treats its prisoners. America's been, you know, a for-profit, you know, prison-industrial complex for decades. We treat people inhumanely. The three strikes laws, inhumane, right? Um, There's no... The, the, this you you have to a felony conviction you're you're a scarlet lettered for life you'll never be employed you'll never you can't vote you have no rights I mean all this stuff so uh, social you know uh, criminal justice reform yeah that's a political thing but think about our children they kill each other I feel for the kid who shot them like think about that that, that that's, kid was yeah, that's... so distressed. He just went to school and killed some random kids he didn't even have any grievances with. He didn't even have any grievances with them. And then he shot himself. Yeah. And didn't he, did he fail in that or did he? No, he succeeded eventually. Okay. He died the next day. Okay, so but that, that, so and that's that a is throwback. a mental illness thing. That is it's not abuse. mental illness. That's, that's what Trump says. It's not mental illness. Uh, I don't see. I, don't, I didn't know it's that. It's a soul I, sickness. It's a soul sickness in our society. Mental illness. Here's an interesting thing. The El Paso shooter, he'd been seeing the greatest, the best, most expensive psychiatrist his whole adult life since he was 14 years old. He was on four different medications. So getting so treatment for mental health. I mean, you, I'm I treated for mental health. You're treated for mental <laughs> health. AA is a treatment for mental health. Not people. We don't go shoot people. That's just what I was just saying, though. They're on medication. There's too much fucking medication, man. You know. <laughs> I mean, I, you do. Do we know if he was on medication? This kid? I don't know. But but yeah, a lot of people are on medication. But a, a lot of people are on medication. They don't go shoot people. I and, mean, and fuck. people and people used to be on a Bob, ton of medication before. Do you remember when before, Prozac so. first, first came yes, out? Yes, And they said there was a, there was a huge thing. It was like, hey, if you take this, you know what, man, you you could go violent. You could get, you know, there was a, there was a lot of warnings. Well, there's a lot that. of suicidal suicidal side effects. Well, for, why to a lot they, of men. Why, Okay, so <laughs> who says this is good? Who Doc, the fuck says this doctors, is good? Doctors, doctors, the American Medical Association, and then what? And then and then what? And then they sell a and lot Wall of it. Wall Street through, and, and Wall they sell Street. a lot of it through the pharmaceuticals. Wall Street and yeah, I mean, it's fucked up, man. But, but you as an indiv- take, people shouldn't trust doctors and they shouldn't take meds. Well, they should, well fucking bullshit. But I mean, if you had if you had high cholesterol, would you take cholesterol medicines? Would you take a statin when you need if it? If I was feeling anxiety, I would start running on the beach All right, or so, something. So know, that's fucking, what some some sort of diet change, anything anything to fucking not dull my senses. Well, see, with this is what drugs. I'm talking about. People need to share their experience, strength, and hope that there are other ways to cope with anxiety other than medication. Right? There's other ways to deal with depression than medication. Right? We're in position at rehab. You say that and the guy kills himself, you're in for a lawsuit. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you can't say that. Only in AA and the 12 step world and the self help world can that kind of good, commonsensical advice come from. It can't come from the hospitals and the rehabs. It can't. It legally can't. Do you understand? So that's why I'm saying AA has dropped the ball. AA doesn't even know what's going on. I've I've gone to a half dozen meetings in the last three weeks, month. I've gone. I sit there and I listen, and it's just madness what people talk about and what they're obsessed with. Steps, 
step steps and the step dude our you know children are killing each other suicide's the leading cause of death for white males at your age like a quarter a, a fifth of the country is addicted to drugs you would think that some of the subjects in the conversations would be solution oriented towards that instead of me and what i think and what me 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 you know, I was told by, by Gloria Scott and many people and some people that Mike and I know, stop thinking, stop thinking about you and start thinking about somebody else. Yeah, good advice. I go to 12-step meetings, all I hear is people talking about themselves and their poop-up problems. <laughs> it's true. Or, Chuck, this is something that I experienced in Laguna, or their opinions about things. I, I, don't, I don't care about your opinion and I don't care about your problems. So why am I sitting here? If all we're going to talk about is your opinions and your problems, the way it used to work is people shared their experience, strength, and hope, what they thought, what they did, what result they got, their experiences. I was lonely, withdrawn, sad. I hated everyone. I hated everything. Um, a friend of mine said, go to a meeting every day for 90 days. I went and it really turned me around. That's what I used to hear. That is not what I hear anymore. That's a personal experience. What I hear a lot of times is, if you're new, you need to go to me every day for 90 days. Nobody's going to do that. Just from an advice standpoint, go fuck yourself. But when you say, I was angry, I hated everyone, I was thinking about killing myself, I was sober for eight months, a guy came up to me and said, what the fuck's up with you? I said, fuck you. He said, hey, man, we went out and ate. He said, why don't, you, why don't I call you tomorrow? Let's go to a meeting. Well, you should, you should go to a meeting every day for a few months, for 90 days. Let's go, you should go to a meeting every day and pray for you know, your resentment and hatred to be removed tonight. And I did it, and it worked. That's what I used to hear. That's not what I hear anymore. Experience. Actual things you can trust. Yeah, things that are true. Things are true because you've lived them that's that's what i that's what i like when i hear that i don't care if a, a speaker is funny i don't care if they've got clever things to say i i want to i want to be able to this is what happened not not it doesn't even have to align with with it, it doesn't it even sh- have to work out great no but, but see everybody there should so, be struggle they're so solution centric and everything has to be a solution what about the fact that I just I just hang on some days? I used to hear that a lot. Like I'm just gonna stay sober now. I'm not happy about it. I don't I'm not I'm not happy with my life. I fucking hate half of you. Yeah, that's, but I'm gonna stay sober. That's, some of those, that's my favorite stuff because I can relate stuff. to it. I like, can totally relate to it. This guy I, this guy, old guy Steve, used to say that shit all the time. He goes, you know what, man? because you know, people are going, you gotta be, you gotta be in this, gotta be in it to win it. If you're, <laughs> if you're not in the program and you're only on the program and it goes under what with all the stupid, sh- all the bumper stickers, and you go, man, you, you only gotta be in this fifty-one percent on any given day. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of forty, fifty point five percent days for me. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, I get that because yeah. it's 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 not even that I lose sight of that sometimes too. That it. You know what? I, let's go through the history of meetings, right? Because I, I get a lot of flack. I don't go to that many meetings. So when I, in the first five years of sobriety, whenever I didn't go to my regular meeting, I felt guilty. And then, then it got like eight years, I kind of like, well, you know, I got a kid. I got the shit I'm doing. I got work and whatever. I don't have to go there. Uh, but I had, you know, pillars of my week that I went to, right? Then I moved and life evolved, and I had some consistent meeting. One consistent meeting I went to every Thursday for 15, 20 years or whatever, 15 years. But, you know, and I patch it in, right? I didn't feel guilty at all. I didn't feel bad at all. I didn't feel like I was going to use it all from like eight years to like 20 years. People kept saying, you're going to less meetings. What's going on with you? You know, I would show up like at Third and Gardner that I used to go to all the time. And I'd show up, you know, once once out of the blue, like f- four months apart or something. You know what the statements were from the do-gooders there? Oh, you speaking tonight? You still sober? 
Like not good to <laughs> not good to see you, Bob. Hey, what have you been doing? I heard you moved to South Pasadena. So good to see you. None of that. You still sober, bro? You still go to meetings? Are you speaking? Is that why you're here? It sounds like Costa like, Mesa Lana yeah, when you, you know do that. what I mean? <laughs> but but so so I'm just gonna say I I go I don't go to very many meetings. I feel way better than okay, than no. the prior two years when I kept forcing myself to go and trying to share my experience, strength, and hope. It didn't seem to register. I made a lot of enemies. People don't like what I say and counter share at me. I can't me. imagine can't, that. Counter share at me and stuff. So like, why go? And guess what? I spend more time with my kids. I'm happier. I feel more productive. But right. I have been going because I got a new friend of mine that's getting sober and I've been going. And it's the same old shit. Like the steps, the steps, the steps. How, mu how, how many decades can a motherfucker talk about the steps he worked <clears throat> 19 you know, years ago? Uh, that's, one of the, that's one of the things that you shared with me on a, on a more personal level. We were talking about somebody I know and, and you go, you know... He wants to do another four step. <laughs> what, is, what is he trying to avoid by doing this? And I, and I, you know, and I've held on to that. I don't even know if you remember telling yeah, me that. Yeah. But it's just like that's one of those things where it's. I, I understand that because my experience with sobriety was very intense at the beginning, probably, and like yours, you know, there was. I fell in love. I, I didn't want to be sober, but I didn't want to be loaded anymore. I didn't want to be homeless anymore. I didn't want to go to jail anymore. I didn't want the problems, you know, and I didn't really, but I didn't really want what I saw the guys with 20 years in AA had either, but I just didn't want what I had. So I was willing to try something different. And it was a lot of meetings. It was three a day and two on Sundays for like the first, as soon as I got out of Cooper Fellowship and moved into Dog on the Road, can I say that? Yeah, I can. But I moved into the houses and it was like, there's a six o'clock in the morning, a five o'clock in the afternoon. And then we go to outside meetings, you know, and we it was always doing stuff in AA. And when I left that group, I didn't go to meetings, but like I started doing like one a week and then it was like one every two weeks. And then it was like one a month. And then it was just like, I don't, I don't, I just didn't want to be near it. And for about three years, four years, right. I, I floated with maybe hitting meetings every once in a while. But when I'd pop in, it was like your experience. I'd pop in and I'd go, you guys are still talking the same shit. Or, or it would be places where I'd see people that were there three or four years ago and they're still doing the same thing. Right. And it's just like, it's, it was just so annoying. And, and here's the thing. You and I are in a fortunate position because we see new, newcomers every day. So it's not like I'm not talking to new people or helping people who are loaded or talking to people or doing 12-step calls because I am. But the actual sitting around listening to people with 15 years sobriety talk about their cats and how they feel today mm -hmm. and all that and checking, just checking in. Like, dude, we're here for the new people. Like, you've been cool for fucking 15 years. What are you going to share about? Right. You know what I mean? Oh, boo-hoo. Now, if you do have something to share that's profound, like your wife left you or something like that, of course. But And do you need help with it? How can I help you? Because when, yeah. when I help you, I get out of me. And when I get out of me, I feel better about what I'm doing. But we also do but that. Just, we I, also I, feel, I got better things to do with my life than sit around and listen to a bunch of bullshit, to tell you the truth. I, I have better things to do. I could spend my time with somebody who's, you know, four, four days sober, who wants to know what powerlessness is and talk to them on the phone for an hour. There's a lot of shit you can do other than sit there and listen to a bunch of people with time talk about how great they are, how, what their feelings are. I, I truly believe that. The, the big book says, this program is a design for living, a bridge back to the real world. Of course, nobody reads those parts. They only quote the parts <laughs> that they like, right? And I remember reading it when I was like five years, six years sober, and I was like, what does that mean? I asked, I asked uh, a mutual friend of me and Mike's who I really respect. And, and he said, yeah, AA is not the real world. It's just like, what? What? This is my whole world. These 40 people and these couple of this tropical and third and garden. This is my whole world. Right. And when he said, it's not the real world. The real world is 
It's your job, and you know <laughs> they didn't you, have you, a meeting on family, every show. So that's funny that you say that, Bob, because my my biker trucker's first sponsor and everything was what that was one of the first things he said to me. He says, "If you're not prepared to take this, what you learn here with me and in the meetings, out and live in the real world with it, then I'm not your guy." Because wow. I'm not. Look at that I am shit. not gonna. I'm not gonna bullshit you. This is not the real world. You got to go out and live. You got to take what you learn in here, and you got to go live, live in, in the, the fucking real world. real world. Right. And so get back to. So, anyways, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole about it, but it is something that you went back to those meetings three years later. It was the same people talking the same shit. Right. I went to Tropical a couple months ago. It was it was different people, but they were saying the same shit because they had learned it from the elders of saying the same shit. You know, they're so grateful to be alive. And my friend, who's the secretary of it, she was like, I'm fucking miserable, and I just, you know, I fucking hate everybody. And she's like two years sober. And, and I just felt, I said, you know, that was the fucking best. That was the only, you're the only person who told the truth in that whole room. Right? Because it was like, I'm just so grateful to be here. Really? Because I'm Because <laughs> I keep looking. You know, when somebody <laughs> says they're so grateful to be here, when it's kind of a boring nothing meeting, and I just and I found myself looking at the clock like nine times in twenty minutes, <laughs> like <laughs> like they're either lying or I just I, I, we're not in the same room. Or they're so used we're not to saying it. They're just so used to saying it that it just comes out of their mouth. They're sitting in a meeting. Their hand goes up and it comes out. So and, then let's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So how? So the solution is to no. be to be genuine and an attraction, and to wear your your sobriety like a loose, comfortable garment. To be quick to laugh. All the stuff that it says in the AA book about who we are as a people. I am like that in the real world, and I, I am like that in at work. I am like that with clients. I just I cannot find myself being accepted, being that way in twelve step world. It's weird. It is really weird. The one place I could always count on being accepted that way, I no longer am accepted that way. You have to be serious. You can't joke around. You can't, you know what I mean? You know, you just fucking make this, you think this whole thing is a joke. Like, no, I think it's funny. That, like, no, but it's funny. It is funny. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I don't find funny is this, is this saga shooting. I really, I, 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 it profoundly affected me like no other shooting. And I know there's been more tragedy and more casualties and, and uh, Sandy Hook and, and just horrible atrocities. But this little boy's face, it was like looking at Elvis. It's just it was just too much for me this week. It so was too much. I am gonna, we're going to finish this up with, with, with this, Bob. No, oh, the, the club needs you. Okay, the club needs Chuck. The club club needs me. But what do you the do old, when they don't want the you in the club? The old person, <laughs> the old person has to pat. The old person has to has a duty to pass it on, and that's all we are there for. That's it. That's the only thing we're there for, Bob. And I want you to f still go. I'm pointing at Bob right now. I'm going. I want I went. you to I've still go because I've been I love going you too much. Actually. And <laughs> The, and the club maybe needs that's you. it. Well, maybe that's why I'm so focused. I've, I've literally gone to six meetings in like the 18 days. That's you. not good, Chuck. No. That's not good for my psyche. To only, <laughs> Bob, only to pass on your knowledge of these older people that have gone and now like Buddy Arnold and, and Gloria Scott. They, they're legacy has, you know to, what, be, buddy has arnold, to be taught i know i know but new, let me tell you what they taught the, the buddy arnold did say that eventually there should be no first day it should just be not a that there was really because he was the original junkie of america he was he used to say ask me my methadone number and i would say what's your methadone number you say zero 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 three he was the third person <laughs> on methadone, right? So he, he was a test subject for methadone in the Lexington, uh, Kentucky prison for junkies in the, in the late 40s. Hmm. How about that? Like they used to use the junkies at this, they used to put all the drug addicts in one prison in Lexington, Virginia, or Lexington, Kentucky, or Virginia, I forget. And um, they, 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 you could volunteer for early release if you would be a guinea pig for all these treatments and buddies was methadone right so buddy arnold you say if, you know there's no na there's no aa there's no there's no separation anymore we're all just fucking addicts right, right and on. and that that eventually would be that now he also 
was a person who who his favorite meeting was one that started at five o'clock. It was at the musicians union. Everybody got there. It was a jam session of every musician that came. So you'd have like Dr. John playing piano, Buddy playing saxophone. You have this guy, the worm, the worm, the bass player guy, this other famous uh, wrecking crew guitar player, other horn people, rock and roll guys would come and plug in. Stevie Ray Vaughan would come. It was just the craziest thing ever, right, of these or Jimmy Vaughn, not C.V. Ray Vaughn was dead. Jimmy Vaughn. And That's so an actual hootenanny. And so, and it would just grow as the time went on, right? And it would jam from five to six, and then the meeting would start six to seven. Like, that was, it was beautiful. Everybody was in a great mood. You just played music together. It's fucking great. You know, the, the bummer was a lot of the older guys would be like, okay, I'm not going to be able to stick around for the meeting. <laughs> 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 because being together, a bunch of old sober junkies, you know, that were 25, 30 years sober, that was enough for them, right? Mm -hmm. But when they stuck around, what stories they had. Buddy Arnold shot dope with Billie Holiday. That's Buddy right. Arnold shot dope with Charlie Parker. Think about that. That's not great. in a movie. He actually <laughs> went cop, went to Charlie Parker's hotel room, sat there. They had, he used to tell me they didn't have needles. They had uh, eye droppers. Binkies. Yeah, they had these little uh, like rubber things that you and you sharpen the end of this glass eyedropper. Attach yeah. it with and thread so, and, and said, wax. And he said it didn't mainline. I said, well, how could you register? And he goes, it didn't register. You just muscle, you just muscle it. That's how real dope fiends used to do it. They didn't and you would like and you would push it until you the, everything was gone just before you pushed a bubble into your vein. It was no plunger; it was just a squeezer. Anyways, so I mean, that's who I learned about sobriety from. Guy who shot dope with Charlie Parker and Billy Holiday. Right, I have a videotape of Buddy Arnold playing saxophone with Billy Holiday on television. Nice. I mean. That's who used to be teaching this shit. Let's say goodnight <laughs> and uh, move on. All right, bye. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call. <laughs>